Hello, my name is Joanna Bailey. And I'm Tom Boone. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week. Coming up in today's show, I'll fill you in on why Emirates got a fine from the US Department of Transportation, and Joe will see how JetBlue is not filling its planes, but may well be unblocking the middle seat. Tom will talk us through British Airways' double delivery this week and its new first-class suite, while I bring you up to speed on Boeing's consolidation of Dreamliner production. Finally, we'll investigate the Eversafe 380 that's being turned into a restaurant. So, now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. So I wanted you to start this week, um, Joe, by telling us a bit about the Boeing 787 um, and Everett. Yeah, this is just really a very quick update because I'm sure most of our listeners will have already heard the news. Um, But just in case you've been living under a rock, um, the long rumoured closure of Dreamliner production at Everett has been confirmed by Boeing. It was confirmed at the end of last week. Um, So now they will only produce the Dreamliner in South Carolina. Um, So, as you probably know, Charleston is one of the two plants that makes and assembles the 787. Um, And the other one was in Everett, Washington, which is kind of Boeing's spiritual home. Um, So, obviously, with the pandemic and all the uh, financial issues that's causing, Boeing is looking to trim costs and preserve as much cash as possible. So, it kind of made sense for it to um, limit its production of the Dreamliner to one place. Now, Everett should really, by all rights, have been the choice because it was the first um, Dreamliner production site. Um, In fact, it began building the 787, I think, in 2007. Um, And over the years, it's built the 787-8 and the 787-9 at the site. And Charleston was only brought online in 2010 as kind of a second final assembly line due to kind of the massive demand for the aircraft. Um, Obviously, that demand has dropped off. um, But interestingly, uh, North Charleston is the only one that produces the 787-10. So I think that probably stood it in pretty good stead to be the site of choice for for the consolidation. So um, Everett's going to continue. Well, yeah, (laughs) they they can't build the ten at Everett. So (laughs) that's kind of that would be a big downside, I guess, if Mm. uh, if they were going to close one place. But uh, Everett's going to continue building it until they drop down to the six per month rate, um, which is uh, a little bit into 2021. So it's not happening immediately, um, but not great news for Everett's work workers because they reckon there's around a thousand jobs on the line. So that's a a large portion of the workforce. Um, So what will they build at Everett? Not a lot, really. Um, Boeing said that Puget Sound, which is Everett and also Renton, um, possibly some other smaller facilities up there, will continue building the 737, 747, 767 and 777 families. Um, Now, obviously, Renton is the site that builds the narrow body. The 747's ending production. The 767 is produced at like, what, one aircraft a year or something? I I think (laughs) it's a bit bit more because there's quite a few freighters coming out I think usually I think it's only for the freighter isn't yeah. it they're not building the passenger variant no. anymore but uh, it's not very popular um, the triple seven x obviously is being built at Boeing Field but uh, but yeah there's not a lot going to be happening at Everett for the foreseeable so sad times to get that confirmation but I think it was kind of inevitable 
So there we go. That was my little update on uh, what's going on at Boeing. Now, you had something interesting with the US Department of Transportation, didn't you, Tom? Yeah, I did. Um, I wanted to talk about this because um, clearly it's a popular subject because it's been doing well on our website. Um, But yeah, the DOT um, this week or last week now issued a $400,000 penalty to um, the UAE carrier Emirates. And it's um, the reason for it was because it was um, flying through the airline was flying through the Tehran flight information region in Iran, which, um, as most of us know, is considered by the U.S. as risky airspace. So the U.S. has banned its carriers from flying through that airspace. Yes, which but it, Emirates is not one yeah. of its carriers, so that's quite puzzling. So it kind of all makes sense, except for what you said, that Emirates is not a US carrier. Now, here's where the sort of technicality on why the DOT can levy this fine comes in. So when Emirates was operating these flights for about two or three weeks in July 2019, it was operating the flights with um, a JetBlue code number. So um, through a code share agreement. So while it was an Emirates flight operating, say, for example, EK400, um, random number, don't know if that corresponds. <laughs> um, it also had the B6 um, flight number. So that meant that JetBlue could sell tickets on it and it could connect sure. up with JetBlue flights in um, wherever. And because of um, this JetBlue code share number, this is where um, Emirates got stung um, and it seems like it was just an honest mistake, you know, like um, Emirates initially when the US filed this um, this notice uh, to airmen, they initially stopped all flights through Iran just out of caution, but then um, they resumed them and it just seems like um, somewhere along the way somebody got forgot to remove this JetBlue code share. And okay. um, as soon as Emirates became aware, they did remove it. I think it was about two weeks later. Um, but apparently that wasn't soon Quite enough. a costly mistake, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's quite costly, 400000 But, um, I mean, with good behavior, Emirates will only pay half of that. So um, okay. it has to pay 200000 within 120 days. Um, however, if they don't pay within that time or they start violating this rule again, then they'll be liable for the full 400000 um, Right. And Emirates actually doesn't believe that it should pay the fine, but has agreed to pay it um, just to make it go away, basically. <laughs> um, Probably cheaper than trying to appeal it. or um, Yeah, I know. mean, considering that they've spent billions on passenger refunds in the past half a year, I think $200,000 <laughs> really is chips, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's like a splash in the bucket. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to us it would be life changing. Yeah. To an airline, it's uh, yeah, loose change <laughs> yeah. <laughs> down the back of the seats. <laughs> yeah, it's just like paying a parking fine, really, isn't it? At the end of the day, for them, so somebody was in trouble. I'll bet though. Yeah, I mean, it's a. I guess it would just be treated as a learning experience. You know, though, like they've made this mistake once. Now they're going to make damn sure they never make it again. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Mm. 
So on the subject of JetBlue, um, you were sort of talking about their code share there. Um, I heard some interesting things from the JetBlue chief operations officer, and she's also the president of the airline, Joanna Geraghty, at the World Aviation Forum the other week. Um, so, yes, sorry, I'm still talking about the wonderful online conference I went to, but uh, quite enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, so JetBlue was one of the airlines that has been not selling the middle seat. It has pledged to block the middle seat until October the 15th. Um, now, this is a lesson in the importance of language and actually reading between the lines about what people really mean, because she said, JetBlue will continue to cap our flights. We will not fill our flights for the foreseeable future because we think this is an important component of rebuilding customer confidence. Now, that's great. But actually, if you listen to the rest of what she said, what it is, is that the airline is looking to start selling its middle seats. But obviously, she wouldn't phrase it like that because it doesn't make a great headline. JetBlue is unblocking its middle seats. Um, JetBlue is committed to not filling its planes makes a much better headline. Um, so, yeah, we can expect to see the middle seats blocked until October the 15th. But after that, we can expect to see some occupied um, as the COO said, it is an incredibly expensive investment to leave uh, a third of the plane unsold. And it becomes even more expensive as demand starts to come back. You know, most airlines operate on requiring sort of 70% uh, or more of load factor in order to make their flights profitable. So, um you know, JetBlue's always been about space. They've they've had, you know, they've got more leg room, they've got more space around their seats. So they recognise there is a value to having space, but in the longer term, having the middle seat blocked is not sustainable. So what she's talking about is unblocking the seats in an intelligent way. So getting a bit smarter about when families might be travelling together, analysing no-show rates, you know, playing with the limits on the flights <coughs> in a way that uses data in a smart way. So you know, kind of using some, I guess, algorithms and um, intelligent analytics to really see how many flights they can sell without upsetting people. Um, so, yeah, so it's going to be about groups sitting together where possible and generally just selling more seats on the plane. So in the long run, if they can get it right, it's a win-win for passengers and the airline because the airline is obviously selling more seats and the passengers are still, in the most part, not being seated next to people that they don't know. Um, and I'm sure, as you agree, Tom, the middle seat issue is largely a perception issue anyway. You know, there's very little evidence. There was an MIT study that said there was slightly less risk of viral transmission if you weren't sat directly next to somebody. But overall, it's kind of minute in comparison to the amount of viral transmission on a plane anyway, because it's very low thanks to all the, the filtration and the sanitization and the way the air flows. So it is just a perception issue anyway. But passenger confidence is probably one of the biggest hurdles to overcome in the recovery period. So I think it's good. I, I don't think it's a, a bad thing. And it's good to see airlines embracing kind of digitization and, and technology to rebuild themselves in a better way. I mean, I think, you know, to permanently not have to sit next to a stranger would be amazing well, <laughs> if I, that was sustainable. It is interesting because I was reading on um, our website earlier this week or last week even, I seem to think it's not Monday. Um, <laughs> I'm I was sorry, reading I've got bad that, news um, for you there, Tom. <laughs> yeah, Captain Sully now is um, saying that he won't fly unless the middle seat is free. Um, but I mean, I since the pandemic started, must have flown maybe 10 times on Ryanair now. Every time, you know, they 
they still have their random seating policy. They won't sit people together unless they pay, which, I mean, at the end mm. of the day, you know, it just shows how confident they are that it's traveling safely and um, it's safe to travel. So have you been sitting next to strangers? Yeah, I have, you know, I've oh. sat next to all sorts. I mean, the last stranger that I sat next to actually um, disappeared when I went to the toilet and I never saw him again. So um, <laughs> maybe that's a sign, but... <laughs> um, yeah, okay. you know, I, I mean, on my last flight, I did um, actually pay so that I would have free seats together because I saw that there was um, free seats free on the seat map. But I mean, yeah. typically, I'm I'm not averse to sitting next to strangers on um, these flights, and I have done so. It's just in that case, I wanted some space so that I could work and relax um, more than it yeah. was more for just personal space rather than COVID avoidance, you know. And sure, at sure. the end of the day, the person in front of and behind me were just as close, so... Yeah, that's it. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think this is going to become a trend that airlines will be selling well, more seats, but trying to leave the space where it's possible, you know. It, it's interesting to see because it seems to be um, very much divided over, over each side of the Atlantic because in Europe, everyone's like, oh, we don't need to block the middle seat. No, I, I mean, with the exception of Lufthansa, who's like blocking the middle seat, but they're selling it if the plane is full. Um, yeah, you yeah. Know, um, but really, European very airlines. few other airlines are, are pledging to block it. But all the US airlines are doing something, aren't they? Yeah, I don't know if Lot Polish is still blocking the middle seat, but um, I mean, generally, the general trend in Europe is fill up the plane, whereas in America, it's um, we'll leave a third leave of the, the seats seat free. free. Yeah, which but, is clearly not sustainable in the long term. I mean, it will be interesting to see as well now that this CARES funding has um, run out and all these employees have been furloughed, whether yeah, they'll keep whether up they with can that. maintain that. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, mm. definitely. It's certainly not being funded anymore. So um, speaking of uh, European airlines, British Airways has got some new planes, I believe. Yes, so um, BA got two new toys um, last week um, on the same day, actually. And it's it's, it's bizarre because um, I'm sure it must be planned, but um, BA keeps getting double deliveries, you know, if not on the same day, in the same week, these planes are being delivered. So um, let's start with the less sort of um, shiny exciting plane. Um, it's still the most exciting plane to me, but um, the second plane that BA got was an A350, um, which is now their seventh A350, um, landed in um, Heathrow on Friday afternoon. Um, and I mean, it's kind of, we're getting used to BA A350s now. They've been happening um, for over a year now. Um, but did you know that BA's A350s in the past first year of operation carried some 550 tonnes of fresh fish? <laughs> That's a rather random fact, Tom. Are you uh, Is this for the pub quiz or something? <laughs> well, um, that's a good idea, perhaps. But uh, no, I did write an article on that. They have. It's um, interesting because they've carried, I think, more food than any other type of, like even more food than pharmaceuticals um, and stuff like wow. that in the past year. Um, the numbers really are quite impressive. Um, and are they leaving the UK or coming to the UK? Uh, it doesn't say which way. Um, I would assume it's a mix of both, you know, probably largely coming into the UK with stuff like, um, I don't even know. Um, I mean, <laughs> we don't, like, 
we don't grow we that really much in the UK cod to and export, haddock, do we? we? And no, not a lot. I mean, and, uh, I mean, fish-wise, we we yeah. have some fairly strict limits on what we can fish. I think so. Mm. Maybe we have to import some as well these days. Mm. I mean, perhaps we exported some raspberries and strawberries during the summer. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's not what I came to speak about today. Um, so, okay, sorry about that. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. So there was the A350 delivery um, in the afternoon, but the more exciting delivery took place on Friday morning. And that was for a Boeing 777. And you may be thinking, why is a Boeing 777 exciting? Because Boeing's not shipping the new 777-9 yet. Well, the 777 delivery is exciting because it's the first one in six years for British Airways. Um, and even more exciting than that is that it's got British Airways' new first-class suite on board. Um, Lovely. And I'll say suite in inverted commas because it, it's technically a suite because it has enclosed doors. Um, okay. But from what I've read and heard about it, um, as far as the actual seat itself, it's just um, it's basically the current first class that you'd find on the seven eight seven, just with a door attached to it. Um, so Doors I mean, it'll be interesting right to see now. It's, uh, yeah. it's like you're you're not in a premium seat unless you've got a door. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the thing was, you know, with the new um, Club World Suite, um, you know, it's kind of. It, it, I, I worry. I, I feel that maybe BA was worrying that they were drawing too many passengers down from first. Even though, like when I asked uh, Alex Cruz about this um, at the new seats launch, he was not too worried about it at all. Perhaps mm. you know, it's just like we'll just make this minor adjustment. But I mean, in the long term, there's very few seven triple uh, sevens left until the new triple seven X comes. Um, is it really worth it, you know, because I can't see them. Yeah. I can't see, I can see them maybe retrofitting door um, suites with doors if they're doing a whole aircraft refit. But other than that, you know, it doesn't seem worth putting doors on existing aircraft. So, I mean, it will be interesting to see how that one pans out because we're kind of expecting a new first class seat, uh, like brand new first class seat on the uh, new 777s coming in several years anyway. That would be nice. Yeah. Um, so they'd I have mean, to make it pretty special, though, because Club World is so good now. It's yeah. uh, it's got to be really something quite unusual, I think, to uh, to maintain first. Perhaps they'll take a leaf out of Emirates books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. That or, would be uh, nice. or possibly Singapore Airlines. Mm, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, we'll just have to we'll have to wait and see. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see whether I think BA later this week or next week are going to sort of have some more juicy details about this seat so um stay tuned um for that one definitely so the reason i mentioned singapore airlines is that because their a380 is being turned into something rather unusual now we mentioned i think last week or the week before on the podcast about these flights to nowhere that airlines are doing these days which is uh, flying around and doing some sightseeing and enjoying all the wonders of flight but without actually leaving so um singapore airlines was planning this um, but after some market research and analysis, they've decided to ditch the idea. And instead, they're turning one of their A380s into a restaurant. Um, so it's, it's quite a cool proposition. So you basically get a full dining experience on board the A380. Um, and they're calling it Restaurant A380 at Changi. Because um, obviously, that's where it's going to be. It's just on, on the tarmac. It's not going anywhere. Um, and passengers or 
passengers, uh, diners, I guess they are, can pick their cabin class and enjoy the typical food for that class. Um, and most excitingly, or for me, what would be the most exciting element would be before the meal, they get to have an exclusive tour of the A380, including revealing some of the private access areas not usually seen by passengers. So I'm assuming they mean like the crew sleeping quarters and cool stuff like that, maybe the avionics bay, I don't know. But it sounds really cool. I'd love to be able to do it. But uh, Singapore's a, a long way away experience. from here. Speaking from yeah, experience, yeah. Well, you've with done British this, Airways. haven't you? Yes. <laughs> oh, I'd love to. It sounds amazing. So um, the pricing they revealed last week ranges from um, quite an affordable thirty-seven dollars or fifty Singaporean dollars per person for economy class. But you know, for that you can expect just an economy seat and typical economy meal. For a bit more comfort, there's premium economy for ninety Singapore dollars or sixty-six American dollars per person. Um, but I think if I was doing this, I would have to go for the full-on um, premium experience, which obviously starts in the business cabin, which is a one-to-one layout. It's got 34-inch wide seats, um, which convert into a fully flat bed, although I'm not sure they're going to be allowing people to take a post-dinner nap or not. Um, <laughs> I might have to just recline it just uh, to check it out. But uh, that's going to be around $220 per person. Um First class suites, which are suites, and they do have a door. Um, it's slightly eye-watering at $440 per person. But I think, you know, for those people that are probably unlikely to be able to afford to fly long haul in one of the suites, it's an amazing opportunity to check them out. Exactly. Um, I, I mean, think that's most cheaper than you'd probably pay for most economy flights. Well, exactly, from Singapore on the A380, definitely. Um, So, yeah, it does have a like a door. It's got a separate standalone bed as well as a luxurious leather seat, which is hand-stitched by Italian craftspeople. Um, There's a 32-inch personal TV screen, so it's one of the biggest in the sky, I think. Mm. Um, And uh, they are opening the um, Chris Weld... IFE for everybody that dines. So I, I don't know if you're going to have time to watch a whole movie, but you know th- there are like a thousand things to watch on there. They they haven't really specified how long they're going to allow you to linger on the plane, but uh, yeah. you know I think I'd have to watch at least something on there just to check out the screens and stuff. I mean, but, that was uh, me on the BA A350 inaugural. You know, we had this sort of short flight to Madrid and I'm like, <laughs> I want to eat, I want to check out the plane, but I also need to see the IFE. And I think I watched maybe... And I want to lie down. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think in the end, I managed about 10 minutes of um, the new Avengers film. <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> well, if you are in Singapore and you are um, able to avail of these cool experiences, um, the reservations are opening from October the 12th. So okay. I think that's later this week or I think no, it's probably, next Monday, isn't it? They'll probably sell out on the 12th as well. I imagine they'll sell out within minutes of opening. Yeah. Um, I mean, if so- Qantas is anything to go by. Exactly, exactly. There's still a lot we don't know about it. You know, they haven't revealed the menu and how it's going to vary by class. So you don't really know what you're Mm. going to be getting. Um, But I think most people probably won't care, actually, and they'll just book it anyway if they're that that way inclined. Um, So if you do miss out on the A380 experience, there are some other bits going on at Singapore Airlines. Um, This all comes under the umbrella of a project they're calling Discover Your Singapore Airlines. Um, So one of the things which sounded quite cool is a behind-the-scenes tour of its training centre. This is something you've also done with British Airways, isn't it, Tom? Maybe. (laughs) 
So uh, there's two weekends in late November where they'll be doing guided tours and activities in the training centre. Um, I don't know if they'll get to slide down the inflatable slide like you did, oh, which I'm still best. envious about. <laughs> I mean, the, the 747 one, you know, you need to be running off of that. Otherwise, you're just flat on your face. You don't realise how fast. <laughs> Literally, I swear most people would have no clue how fast they go on these slides. It sounds really fun, although mm. I do hope never to do it in real life because that means there's something seriously wrong with the plane. But anyway, <laughs> so um, what we do know is they can add on a run in the flight simulator, which sounds really cool. That's um, something else I've done I with think... British Airways. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, stop bragging. Uh, there's also a wine tasting experience and a, there's a, a makeup session where you can learn to achieve the Singapore girl look. I thought that would be really cool for you, Tom. I mean, that's, that's something I've not done yet, so I... I... <laughs> be hoping to give it a try <laughs> oh dear so and in tandem with all this they're also doing um singapore airlines catering at home so people can order meals from singapore airlines that they're missing you know like their uh, inimitable um chicken satay skewers and things like that and they'll deliver it right to their home um and there's wine and champagne can... included and uh, if you book the first or business class which is pretty cool they get exclusive singapore airlines tableware as well i'm not oh. sure if they're allowed to keep it but it sounds yeah i mean i'd love to do that as well so uh, the, i think if i was in singapore i'd just be booking all of these pepper. things well yes <laughs> but it's it was invited <laughs> this was on the virgin yeah. atlantic flight i stole their salt and pepper and it said on the foot of the pepper pot stolen from virgin atlantic airways <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, so that's that's what is um, replacing this flight to nowhere. Mm. Um, and I mean, it's it's a bunch of really cool experiences, but I don't know how many people will be able to enjoy them. What would you prefer, Tom, a, a dining experience on the A380 or a flight to nowhere? I mean, I would probably go for the flight to nowhere with a dining experience on board. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, it depends, you, want you to know. Have like, your cake and eat it too, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'd definitely take the dining experience if the flight from nowhere was not there. But um, perhaps, <laughs> uh, I mean, Lufthansa, if you're listening, um, Frankfurt Airport is very close. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, these flights to nowheres and these airline experiences are yet to catch on in Europe, and yeah. I don't know why. Well, um, I, I did read that um, Lufthansa definitely is not going to do them just because it doesn't. I think um, I think they said because it just doesn't fit in with their whole sustainability plan, you know. And it mm, makes sense, yeah. but uh, the they same could carbon offset it, you know. Yeah, and I mean the amount of carbon that's not. It, it, it sounds like a really bad excuse, but, you know, the amount of carbon that's currently not being input into the atmosphere because all these flights are grounded, what yeah. difference would this one flight to nowhere make, you know? Well, a lot of them are in tandem with the kind of maintenance flights they've got yeah. to do to keep the aircraft current anyway. So yeah. they'd be making the flight anyway. But uh, anyway, we'll see if any airlines take up the challenge. I'm looking at Virgin Atlantic because they like doing outrageous stuff. And uh, I do hope I get an invite. <laughs> I think that's about it for today's podcast anyway. So uh, we do hope you enjoyed it. And as usual, we welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.